Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. I want to tell you this morning that God has sent me today. God has directed me today. He sent me to the congregation today to sell the oil. I'm coming to sell the oil this morning. I can't, I can't get beyond that point. He's laid it upon me so heavily. God has directed me today to come to the congregation to sell the oil. If you were here on June 28th, you know that I spoke about the ten virgins. I spoke about the oil and the lamps, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It's not a constant. It doesn't stay permanently. It is an inconstant state of flux. Half of those virgins let their oil run out. Their Holy Ghost was gone. They couldn't light the lamps to the path to the bridegroom. God has called me and sent me today to sell the oil. I'm the merchant with the oil this morning, and you've got to hear me. So before this day is out, this altar is going to be open. If you have never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, if you have not spoken in tongues as evidence of receiving God's Spirit, the oil is going to be for sale today at this altar. In Jesus' name. Brothers and sisters. For those of you that have had that experience, for those that have had God in your life somewhere in the course of life, you made your way to an altar. You got down to your knees and you felt that powerful rush, that mighty wind as God began to fill you. And you spoke in those other tongues as the evidence. And you've had that experience, but it's been many years. Maybe it's been a long time. Maybe it's been forever for you. I want to tell you today that the altar is going to be open and the merchant is here to sell the oil. You got to get refilled today. You got to get those lamps full of that oil and prepare. God has put that to my heart today. The oil is going to be for sale today. I'm not the producer, I'm just the merchant. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hearken to my words this morning. Hearken to my vessel. I bring a message of urgency to you today. My people, I love you. I see the struggle that you're in. I see the fear encompassing my people. But I'm telling you that there's victory in the word. There's victory in my spirit. Hearken to the words of my vessel today. Don't turn and walk away. Don't miss this instruction. Don't miss this opportunity today. I'm giving it to you today. Now is the day. Today is the day of salvation. Hear me today. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. You can be seated for just a moment. I have to tell you, I had a message in preparation for probably better than two weeks, a message I really wanted to preach. It was all set to go. I put many hours in. I have my study time, my prayer time, my prep time, my, my notes writing time. I go back and I rewrite. I go back and I reread. Even up to the day that I come into the office in the morning on Sunday, I sit down with my notes and I talk to God. Have I done everything to put you into this, God, and take me out? God, am I being a vessel today? And I take that time to prep. Thank you, Brother Kylie, for teaching me that. Thank you, Brother Kylie, for mentoring me in that process because God has been so honorable. 
But I want to tell you, yesterday morning, waking up out of a sleep, those in morning prayer heard this already. Waking up in prayer yesterday morning, as my, just as my eyes opened yesterday morning, I heard the audible voice say, do not preach that message. And I've never had that before. It was unfamiliar. And I thought, well, is the enemy trying to get in my head, mess up my great message that I'm going to share with everybody? And just a few minutes later, I heard it again. Do not preach that message. And I thought, that's odd. I, I've never heard this before. I didn't know what to think of it. And God is not an author of confusion. God does not create problems for us. He speaks to us, but it was a still small voice. It was, it was like he speak, spoken to me before from time to time. And a little while later, as I was getting ready to go downstairs and have my morning coffee and my prayer time, I heard it one more time. Do not preach that message. A witness of two or three. Well, I talked to somebody very close to me, a mentor, a spiritual mentor that just happened to be accessible. And I said, have you ever had God talk to you and tell you not to preach a message? And they said, yes. And I was obedient to that. And it worried me because that gave me less than a day to produce a message. Well, I had some things. I've always got things working on. Brother Kylie taught me that too. And I spoke to the Lord and I said, God, I don't know what to do. I, I, you shut me out. You shut me down on this message. And he began to work on my heart. And this is what he gave me. What I spoke to you this morning. The merchant is here to sell the oil. I've come to deliver this church through God's message from a spirit of fear and anxiety. I want to take you out of what's happening in the world right now. I want to raise my people, my brothers and sisters, above the fray of what's happening in our world right now. Can you stand with me one more time for the reading of the word? Thank you. Please turn to Matthew chapter 24. I have a long reading. I'm not going to keep you for the whole thing. Just a few verses. I came into the church in 1982. It was the height of the AIDS epidemic. It was just kind of getting, really getting rolling. People were still calling it the gay cancer. It was scaring everybody. Nobody knew exactly what it was, where it was coming from. It was, it was, it was tragic. People were dying in huge numbers uh, everywhere. It's a horrible, horrific disease. Uh, it was looked at as, a, as an epidemic of its own. It was looked on as a, as a curse in some people's eyes or as some sort of a pestilence. Uh, we were in the midst of the Cold War. President Reagan was fighting the battle with the Soviet Union. Everybody thought there was going to be nuclear war, that the end was near and we constantly heard as a young man 12 years old and 13 and 14 going to Christian school we constantly heard the end is near oh God's not going to tarry for 10 more years I can't see it's possible it's just not going to be happening this was 1982 38 years ago and, and, and we heard it always some of you that I, I can see faces that went to Christian school were here at that time remember brother Meyer you remember those days God's coming back he's not going to last and that went on for quite a while. That crazy guy that wrote the book, 88 Reasons God's Coming Back in September 88. I'm getting ready to graduate high school. I'm praying to God, saying, God, I want to live a life. I, I, I want to experience things in life. I don't want God to come back in 1988. Of course, that ended up being just a, uh, just a crazy deal. And a lot of people did terrible things, sold their homes, gave their money away, uh, uh, put their dogs and cats to sleep because they didn't want them to be here during the tribulation period. And it never came to fruition. I want to tell you that since that time, in better than 20 years, compared to today, I have never heard as much 
conversation amongst my brothers and sisters in ministry talking about the soon return of Christ. That conversation is back and I think it's fair. Now I'm not here to say that I know what's happening today or tomorrow or next week or in a couple months. That's not it. The Bible tells us very explicitly, no man knows the day or the hour. But I want to tell you there's an urgency. We're watching this great republic of ours begin to be peeled away. I want to raise you above that. This standard is a great standard. It's one to follow. It's one to love. It's one to appreciate that God gave us. But this is the standard that we pledge allegiance to. One Savior, risen, crucified, and coming again with life and liberty for all who believe. Matthew 24 and chapter 1 reads this way. It says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. Look at these, this great and marvelous building that Solomon built. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Every statue... Every monument, every government building, the Supreme Court, the United States Senate, the United States Congress, the Capitol building, the White House, every monument, every piece of man-made structure is going to be thrown down. It's going to melt under the fervent heat of God Almighty at some point. Release yourself from that today. And he sat upon the Mount of Olives. The disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us when these things shall be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world. How many people out there right now that don't know God or barely know him or know a fraction of him are asking themselves that question right now? How many people watching us on Facebook and YouTube today have asked themselves that? How many of us are lying awake wondering, what does all of this mean, God? You know the country's running out of coinage right now? Merchants are demanding electronic payment. Wonder why that is. There's a company in Wisconsin who injected chips into their employees as this great new experiment. Put, put chips inside their vending machines and now they can go and wave a hand in front of it and buy a soda. What's all that about? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. If you look at scientific data that's being published right now, it has been proven that of, the, of late we have witnessed and seen worldwide more earthquakes in numerous numbers than ever before in recorded history and science. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and they shall kill you, and shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. There's a pastor in a church in New York City that's being persecuted and pro protested against. The pastor was struck in his head. They were screaming at little children as they were trying to go up the stairs into the church. The time is coming. And then shall many be offended. We don't see that much of that today, do we? and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. 
And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. You can be seated this morning. I want to talk to you today about rapture ready. We don't talk a lot about the rapture. It's not the most poignant piece that always has to come up in the course of a pastor's time and a pastor's life. God directs them to preach things that are appropriate and needed for the church. God directs and, 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 and impresses upon a pastor and upon ministers uh, to minister to their congregation, to what their body needs, and, and as best as he can and as best as I can, listen to those words and minister to the people. But occasionally, at the right time, God says, we need to talk about this. We need to sell some oil today. The rapture of the church, the word doesn't exist in the word of God. Doesn't doesn't exist. But it comes from a phrase that's in the word, and we're going to read it shortly. It says, caught up. The church will be caught up with him in the air. And the Greek translation from that was drawn from the word, was then drawn the word rapture. We understand people, people in the world know books have been written, movies have been made, millions of dollars have been made in professing this idea, uh, series of books, all kinds of postulation out there. Everybody, you have to understand, everybody knows about the rapture of the church. I want to dispel that lie that the enemy puts out there right now. Well, pastor, we can't talk about that stuff. It's kind of weird. It kind of freaks people out. They don't know what all that stuff is. Wrong. If Hollywood knows about it, everybody knows about it. But here's the question. Do they know the full truth about it? Do they understand? Do they know the real meaning of what the rapture is? How it's going to happen? What the word of God says? How you make the rapture? Are you rapture ready? How dare you, pastor, talk about rapture? That's none of your business. What do you know about my rapture ready? I know what the word of God says. This part is for the Jews and the tribulation. I'm going on in the same scripture. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by the Dan- Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. This is the time of the rapture. Now I want to go back and just explain something a little bit. We are in a period of time that is known as the dispensation of grace. When Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross, he brought us grace. What does that mean? He brought us grace that said that by him and through him and through his blood and his spirit, we find redemption and salvation. No more the blood of calves and goats, but by his blood we are saved. It's a period of time that we don't know the time. The Bible says you don't know the time, the day, or the hour when he shall return. We don't know. Well, why is that? Because he wants you to always be ready. He wants wants you to always be living for him, looking to him, looking and waiting for his time, doing his work, being about the work of the evangelist, doing the work that he's called you to do, keeping ourselves justified. That's the first step, justification. What is that? Well, Martin Luther understood justification. That's that faith that leads you to God, that follows and makes you obedient to the word of God, justifies you to the Lord, gets that sin off of you, repentance, baptism in Jesus' name uh, for the washing away of your sins and the infilling of his spirit. That's justification. But see, then there's a separate step. There's another step, and that's sanctification. God expects a separation. That's what sanctification means. It means we separate ourselves. Come out from among them. Be ye separate. Sanctify yourself. That's talking about holiness. It's talking about holiness inside, more so maybe even then outside, but both of them are appropriate. Ain't nobody sitting in this room wearing a bikini right now. Why? Because that's not holy. That's not a proper thing to do. But if you've got a black heart and you've got hatred in your heart, you don't have holiness. The Bible 
Bible says that without holiness, no man's going to see God, whether it's the rapture or when you die or when you're resurrection. Sanctification, separation from sin and holiness before God. And finally, glorification. Glorification, that time when God's going to return. The Bible says that it's the spirit inside you that will quicken your mortal bodies and literally transform this flesh from flesh into spirit. Those three key pillars of this process. And I believe that the apostolic church today, there's others, I know, but I believe the apostolic church today preaches this truth, stands on this truth, and we're going to continue to purvey this truth and sell this oil. It says, then let them which be in Judea, that's, that's the Jews. This is talking about the time after the rapture. Let me get back again. I'm skipping ahead. Too excited to get back into the word. So we're in the dispensation of grace, a time when we can come to church like this, a time that we can step before this altar, lay down a heart of repentance, turn it over to God, and God can fill you with the Holy Ghost, fill you with the Spirit. It's not just a matter of believing. John 3 and 5 says that you have to be born of the water and the Spirit. Acts chapter 2 and 38 says that you have to repent and be baptized in the water and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's not just a matter of believing. That's just the beginning of justification. We're in a period of dispensation of grace. The old dispensation is gone. We don't sacrifice animals to redeem our sins or push them forward as they did in the tabernacle and the Jews in the temple. We're in a time of grace where we can partake of Jesus. Dare I say, the easiest time in the history of mankind to partake redemption. Easy. You had to get out of bed this morning. You had to get into your nice vehicle and drive to a beautiful building that you didn't provide and walk into the presence of God. People that were here praying and worshiping and practicing and music and walk into the presence of God, the Holy of Holies, and feel that redemption power right there for you. The, to- the time is now that the altar will be open. The oil will be for sale. You just have to step up. What do you mean for sale, Pastor? You tell me I got to tithe in order to get this? No, I'm not talking about that price. But there is a price. There's a price of sacrifice. There's a price of turning away from what you were before. There's that repentance price that you have to pay. There's that sanctification price to pull out of sin, get out of what the world is offering, get out of this flesh stuff that we deal in all the time as much as you possibly can. Stop worrying about petty things, nitpicking back and forth amongst one another, conflict and things that don't matter anymore. Our country is coming apart before our eyes. And some people are so scared to death over it. But I want to tell you that this is a positive message today. This is something you should be excited about. Well, Pastor, I've got people that aren't, aren't coming to church. They're not saved. Get to work. Get to work. Do the work of the evangelist if you're worried about it. Because now is the time. Now is the time. It may not be long before they're standing out in our parking lot with their protesting. Brother Hanthorne, our presbyter in Mequon, said he had 60 to 80 people march through his parking lot. Didn't cause any trouble. They were peaceful. No issues, no problems. Thank you, Jesus. And if they come out to this door, I'll be the first one to walk out. And I'm going to start praying. And I'm going to invite them to pray. And I'm going to invite them in the building. And I'm going to love on them. And if I can hug them and I can love them and I can pray for them, I'm going to do it. Victor Jackson, the evangelist, went to the place where George Floyd died and stood there and began a prayer rally. And they were praying people through to the Holy Ghost on the street, on the place where he died. The redemptive power of Jesus Christ rises above all of this stuff. 
We've got that power. That's why it's an exciting time. Start believing in yourself and believe that if you just ask, if you just put it out there, I'm telling you, people are scared to death right now. They don't know what's going to happen in this country. Bring them hope. Bring them hope. Sister Danielle and Sister Jenny, six ladies in a Bible study right now. They never thought in the world's notice that they'd ever get the chance to do that. And all they did was ask. And now they're teaching. Time to get to work. Time to sell the oil. The end of this dispensation of grace, there's going to be a special event. Grace will end at the rapture. See, God's going to come back for the church. We'll read it here in a second. We'll get to it. But grace ends, and that time ends. Now, I want, to get you, I want to give you this picture right now. Now, God's presence is everywhere. God, God exists omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's throughout all the universe. He's all over the earth. He's all over everything. But predominantly, his Godhead, his consciousness, his love, everything who he is dwells inside of Christian people who have received his spirit, and it dwells amongst the earth, okay? So picture a globe and take, take a Holy Ghost piece of cellophane wrapper over that, and a little bit's inside you, and a little bit's inside you, and a little bit's inside you, and me, and you, and you, and so forth, and all over swimming in there. And it's all over the globe right now. Well, someday that trumpet is going to sound. The archangel is going to put the horn to his lips and the trumpet's going to sound. And in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, that thing's going to come off this planet and God is going to redeem his church. And that's it. Then it's going to get nasty. You think it's ugly out there right now? The Bible says we don't even have it in our imaginations the horror and the evil that is going to come upon this world. You see that Holy Ghost in you and me and it's swirling around this planet, God's presence, his Godhead, his conscience, his love, it's holding back total and pure evil. It is the one thing that's holding him back. And once that's gone, there is no barrier. You gotta be rapture ready. You gotta be rapture ready. Now is the time. Now is the time. Goes on to say, verse 19, and woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days that are nursing. But pray ye that your fight not be in winter, neither on the Sabbath day. Now listen to 21, for then shall be great tribulation. Okay, this is a time of the Jews. The dispensation of grace is over. The church of God is gone. Oh, there'll be Gentiles here. There'll, there'll be people living here during that time. But there's not going to be a whole lot going on with them because let's face it, if you can't live for God right now and follow his word in a time that is the easiest period in the history of mankind to partake of the grace and the redemption of an awesome savior that we serve, how are you going to do it when his spirit is gone from this world? So I'm going to be about them. They're going to surrender. The pain, the agony, the horror is going to be too much. But the Jews, that's God's people. That's his elect, his chosen, those people. That's what tribulation time is about. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor shall there ever be. And except those days should be shortened, there should be no flesh be saved. For the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Oh God, 
That if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not, for there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go, no, go not forth. Behold, he is in secret chambers. Believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will be the eagles be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. And the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the Son of Man the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. That is the final coming of Jesus Christ. That's after that time of tribulation. Okay? People are going to be suffering. The world is suffering. Thousands, millions, perhaps billions, dying, pestilence, wars, poisons, terrible things happening. I don't have time to do a Revelation Bible study. But at the end of that, at the end of that period, then he comes back and he wages war here. You know who's going to be behind him riding on that cloud? The saints of God, the faithful, those who bought the oil, those who were redeemed under grace. Then shall he send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds and from end of heaven to the other. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise, when you shall see these things, know that it is near even at the doors. Uh, what can I say? Chips, cashless society, anarchy, things coming apart pestilences, wars, and rumors of wars. The fig tree is showing us the signs. You understand? More people now, more people that are far more spiritual, far more experienced, been in the ministry way longer than I have, are saying, it's very soon. It's very soon. The signs are in the fig tree right now. Verily, I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Look at verse 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now here we get back into this idea. For as in the days that they were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Until that day, Noah entered into the ark. How many in this room know that you're sitting in the ark right now? The church is the ark of redemption. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall, now before I get to that, understand if you remember the story of Noah. It was the ark. He went out there. He was preaching. He was selling the oil. Selling the oil. Come on, folks. God's coming. There's something coming. They didn't know what rain was. It had never rained before. The earth was covered in a firmament. A firmament, excuse me. It had never rained before. But he's telling them, look, there's a rain that's coming you got to get ready. But there was that point when Noah entered into the ark at the command of God, and God shut the door. That door never opened again until God rested them on Ararat and gave them redemption. Everything perished. Everything perished except those that were in the ark. Then shall two be in the field and one shall be taken. 
and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. You see, God uses the imagery of the bride and the bridegroom when he speaks to the church. How many know that the church is the bride? Jesus Christ is the bridegroom. Why did he do that? He spoke in Jewish tradition. He was a Jew. He was teaching Jews. He was trying to get these people to understand, and he used a parable and an imagery of the bridegroom. Well, do you know that in the Jewish tradition, in the Jewish tradition, when the, bride wanted, when the bridegroom was going to, to uh, consummate his marriage, come together with the bride, she was supposed to stay with her bridesmaids and be in ready, constantly in ready. He would not tell her when he was going to come. Why? Because he wanted her to stay chaste and pure and stay away from sin and other forms of fornication and idolatry. He wanted her to stay pure. And so she stayed hidden away, waiting, waiting for the bridegroom to come. Keep those lamps full of oil so that he comes at night, like a thief in the night. The Bible says you got to light that lamp on fire so that it lights your way to the bridegroom. The Bible says that in the Jewish tradition, then the bridegroom would come at an unannounced time, knock on the door and say, I am here, I want my bride. She'd quickly light the lamp, get together with the bridegroom. He'd take off towards his father's house, and she would fall away, finding her way to the bridegroom. In my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you the promise that God has given us. He's got a place for us, the bride. There are many mansions in his father's house. And when the bride and the bridegroom would come together, they'd get together, and they would shut themselves away in the bridegroom's father's house for seven days. In the Bible, seven days a day is as a, as a year. You understand the imagery there. Seven days, the bride is shut away, protected and covered. I'm talking about that seven day, that seven year tribulation period, that time after the bridegroom comes for his bride. But then at the end of that seven days, they've consummated the marriage and they come out and the celebration of the lamb, celebration of the marriage happens. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known and, and what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. This is a time when you'd be like, there's no way God's coming right now. That wouldn't be impossible. Why would he come now? That's when he's coming. Be ready. In other words, don't just throw it off in the back of your mind. It's got to be at the forefront. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made rule over his household to give them meat in due season? You know what that is? The Lord of the household, the word of God. He's talking about giving them the word. I'm preaching it today. God has sent me to sell the oil in this season now. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. See, that's you too. Blessed are you if God comes back and he finds you. Delivering the meat, this right here, sitting in a Bible study, talking to somebody over the phone, sharing something on email, putting it on Facebook. Blessed are you if, God, if the Lord comes and finds you delivering the meat. For the Lord himself, it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 16 through 18, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds. That caught up, remember that's that rapture word, that caught up. The, the meaning, and I could go into the breakdown of that meaning, but essentially think of it like sweeping your bride off of her feet. 
See, it's not going to be a snatch or a jerk or some violent motion. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, our bridegroom, is going to sweep us off our feet into a beautiful embrace as we meet him in the clouds. That's that imagery. You see, we're not appointed for the wrath that's to come after that period. But buddy, you better be rapture ready. Because if you don't make it and God shuts the door in the ark, then you are appointed to that wrath. It says, they that are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. See, I remember at the said, if you, at the beginning of a discussion of the rapture, a preaching of the rapture, you get a, something in the pit of your stomach and you start feeling queasy and uneasy and fearful. I don't want to talk about that, Pastor. That scares me. I, I want to live my life. Like me when I was 18, I don't want the God to come. I, I want to go to college and I want, I want to have a job and I want to, you know, all those things. But if you had that queasy, scary feeling in your gut, I'm telling you, I'm comforting you with these words today. This is not our home. We are sojourners in this world. Let them tear down statues. Let them tear down. It's all going to burn in fervent heat anyway. I love this flag. I'm wearing it today on my lapel. In certain places in the United States of America, somebody would walk up and rip it right off. They're tearing them out of people's hands. This is, this is being called racist now. You can make of that of what you will. But this standard, this standard's never going away. They can tear it down. They can burn it. But he said, my words will be forever. My words will be forever. Behold, I show you a mystery. 1 Corinthians 15 and 51. We shall not all sleep. Means we'll not all be dead. This isn't all going to happen where everybody dies and and then God just pulls up all these corpses. People that have passed away and, and died in Jesus. But we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. It's been estimated that it is a tiny fraction of a second. So I don't know how long that trumpet blast is going to be. It might be, and that's it. I don't know. But in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. No more flesh. You're transformed. And we shall be changed, for this corruptible must put on incorruption. We cannot go into heaven with this dirty, ugly, nasty, unrighteous flesh. We've got to be transformed and changed. How do you do it, pastor? By the oil. Get that Holy Ghost inside you because the word of God, not Pastor Cordell, not Pastor Kylie, but the word of God says it's the Holy Ghost inside you that will quicken your mortal bodies and transform you into that spirit body that can be raised up incorruptible and meet God in the air. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. Look at an insight into what's going to happen when the church is gone. Hear me now. Listen to me. Listen what the word says when the church is gone. You don't want to be here. You want to be rapture ready. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting at verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren. Paul is pleading with the Thessalonians. 
by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that gathering together, caught up with him in the air. He's talking about the rapture. That ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. He's pleading with the Thessalonians, don't be worried about this. Don't let it fear. Don't let the words of, uh, that, that you're reading make you fearful. Be, cha- be excited. Be challenged. Don't be troubled. But let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed. See, there's a time when people will not endure sound doctrine. There's going to be a falling away of the church. There's going to be a falling away of people. In other words, people turning away from even any concept. I'm not saying just in the apostolic church or any other church. I'm saying just generally people will fall away. They'll turn away from what God has to say. And that man of sin be revealed. It's talking about the Antichrist. When the church is gone and the spirit is out, as I said, he can be revealed. The son of perdition, it says, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. So that he, has God, he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. This is the abomination of desolation. The church will be not here to see that. You see, the Jews already have the plans to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. They have the site. They have the plans. They've got the furniture built. They've got all the articles. Everything is ready to go. But there has to be a temple in Jerusalem in order for the man to rise up and stand in it and declare that he is God. Right? They have the plans. They have the site. They've built the furniture. Signs and wonders. Signs. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? This is Paul writing again to the Thessalonians. And now ye know that what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. Remember I told you earlier, it's the Holy Ghost that holds him back. It's us here now that holds back the opportunity for him to reveal. And now ye know, excuse me, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let. Now that's talking about when when, when when the Holy Ghost is gone. It will let him come in and be revealed until he be taken out of the way. That's the Holy Ghost being taken out of the way. You understand? So that rapture moment, the Holy Ghost is gone. Now God's presence exists everywhere in the universe, as I said. But his love, his consciousness, his Godhead is gone from the earth. Now the wicked, it says, and then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Many people, by the way, I said earlier, people know the word rapture. They understand. They know the rapture. They also know the mark. We've talked about that a lot over the years, back in the 80s, the mark, the mark, the mark. They're putting chips in people right now so they can wave it in front of a vending machine and buy a soda. I've had people say, oh, that's the mark, that's the mark. No, it's not. It's a precursor. It's prepping people up. You know why? Because when that happens... And that man of perdition says, hey, we have to have this universal system, trading, no more coins, electronic transfer, all that stuff. And he wants it in your hand or your forehead. People are going to line up. Oh, that's great. What a convenience. That's wonderful. It'll help you track down your kids if a kidnapper takes one of them. Wonderful. That's awesome. Where can I sign up? They'll run to that thing faster than they're running to get COVID tested. Revelation 13 and 17, and that no man might buy or sell, save that he had the mark 
or the name of the beast or the number of his name. You see, there's a name associated with that mark. That chip right now, there is no world leader, there is no peace bringer who set that chip up. It's a corporation somewhere. Nobody in this room could name the name of the guy that invented that and brought that to market. But you'll, the people left here, they'll know a name because the Bible says that it'll have the name, the number of a man, 600, three score, and six. You know that in, in biblical terminology, seven is the number of God, but six is the number of man. Six days, that's when man was created. Revelation 14 and 11 says this, now listen. Once they take the mark, that's it. There is no redemption. Jew or Gentile, I don't care what it is. If they do make it, and somehow they get through all of that stuff, and even if they know, even if they know, and I don't mean to be graphic, and I'm wrapping up here, by the way. I'm not trying to be graphic, and I don't want to scare people into church. That never works. 9-11 didn't scare people into church. They left the next week. But I want to tell you something. Even the people that know that it's the mark, and they know that it's eternal damnation for agreeing to that. You see, the Antichrist is a Christ opposite, a weaker and lesser mimic of what God is. Does God, did God force you into the church and make you accept him and make you turn to him and repent? Did he put pressure you? No, you had to do it willfully of your own heart and your own mind, correct? Guess what? Antichrist works the same way. But let me ask you this question. Your child or your grandchild is in their hands and they're torturing that child, burning it, cutting it, stabbing it, crushing it, hurting it. Would you be able to withstand not taking that mark? And I don't even have in my imagination, the Bible says, the evil that will be wrought in order to coerce you into willfully taking that mark. Revelation 14 and 11 says, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Be rapture ready. We gotta be rapture ready. I wanna be rapture ready. I'm closing with this. First Thessalonians, excuse me, Thessalonians chapter five, verse one. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have need, no need that I write unto you for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that, they, that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. There's no more time to fool around. It's no more time to put this in the back of our minds and pretend it's 100 years away. Well, pastor, are you saying we can't enjoy life? We just got to sit around and pine away, hidden somewhere, praying for the rapture? Absolutely not. But what are some of us doing right now? Pining away, sitting in front of our TVs, living in fear because they're watching statues being toppled over and mean people burning Target. That's not what we were designed to do. That's not the glorious living that God's called us to be. You go on ahead and burn down Target. I'm sorry, I'm losing my voice. You go on ahead and burn down Target. Tear up Walmart. Tear down statues of founding fathers. 
And when you're all done and you're out of gas and you got nothing left and you're sitting there breathing, drinking water and trying to recover, I'm going to walk over and I'm going to pray over you and you're going to get the Holy Ghost. For they that sleep in the night and they that be drunken are drunken in the night, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet the hope of salvation. Remember, living for him, buying the oil, you've got the hope of salvation, a glorious city like we can't possibly imagine. Pillars of pearl and streets of gold are waiting for you. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. What an awesome thing that is to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us that whether we wake or sleep we should live together with him wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another even as also ye do tell each other remind each other there's a promise you know what this promise this promise is for those folks out there that are hurting right now that are that are so angry and hurt and upset and, and have, have dealt and seen things that are terrible against their race or against their people. Uh, they don't know God maybe necessarily that well. Maybe not like you and I do. Maybe not the core of the word. And, and so he wants them too. He wants to give them joy and peace and freedom. He wants to give them the joy that we experience in this room. You understand? Rise above all of that stuff. Look at them as tender, precious souls that need Jesus Christ. Don't worry about whether they're burning a flag or not. So what? It's going to burn someday anyway. You understand, I, I don't mean that I, I, I like the burning of the flag. I think it's terrible because I, I love what the flag stands for in its goodness and its patriotism and the things that have been done great and well in this nation. The tremendous amount of blessings bestowed around the world. Yeah, there's been a lot of mistakes, a lot of terrible things done under the standard of that flag but they're human beings, people. But to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, whether we're dead or alive, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another. Remind each other, and we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord. Okay, this is a little self-serving because it's going to be talking about me and Brother Kylie and the other pastors and ministers. Admonish them and esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Please understand that every day I was trained, I was brought up. I'm not just one guy running a show here. I'm part of a consortium of wonderful, powerful men and women serving God, guiding and leading, combined together. Our trustee board, our pastor board, our bishop, our family care pastor. We're a consortium of people seeking God, trying to do his will, emboldening one another, strengthening one another. Esteem them a little bit for their work because we're desperately trying to bring to you the word of God as he's giving it to us. And now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. That means all people. Whether they're in Seattle or Portland or Atlanta or Oconomowoc or wherever, be patient. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, the oil, 
Despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good, and abstain from all appearance of evil. That's our instruction leading up to this time of this trumpet sound. Verse 23, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, completely, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can stand with me this morning. I want you to listen to these two final pieces from Jesus. John chapter 14, one and four, he spoke aloud and he said, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way you know. He said in Luke 21, 36, finally, watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. The oil's for sale this morning. You heard from the Lord. And I'm not talking about me. I'm not the Lord and I'm not God. But he spoke to us in the spirit this morning. He spoke to me when he said, don't preach that. Don't preach that. Don't preach that. And he laid this on my heart. He had a reason. It's time to buy the oil. If you haven't spoken in tongues in years and years, you haven't been refilled with the Holy Ghost, today is the day. You need your lamps filled with oil. If you've never had that experience and you're in the house this morning, today is your chance. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised an hour from now. I've said this before jokingly, but I mean it. I could die in a, in a truck crash on the way home today. I'm not promised anything. But I know when the merchant opens the door and puts the sign, the shop is open, I'm going to go in and buy. I'm going to buy the oil today. If there's any that approach, You'd like me to pray over you and you're comfortable with that. I know we're still, we're still trying to recognize social distancing and keeping that space with us, but maybe social distancing isn't as important as your soul today. Maybe it's not as important for you to be filled with the Holy Ghost and watch your lamp get filled up with that oil. I'm here to pray with whoever raises a hand and said, Pastor, pray for me. I need to be refilled. I'm here to pray for that person who says, I want this experience. It's in the word of God. I've heard from him today. He's called me today. I'm here to pray for that person. Who will join me? And I'll pray for people who come up. Can I get some partners that are willing to pray for people to be filled with the oil this morning? The altar's open. You can come on down. I'm going to walk this altar and I'm going to pray over every person that comes by. Buy the oil today. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.